confusion, chaos, and the lack of direction can lead to a whole lot of laughter, especially when, as a couple, you go through life together without the gift of sight. Join Clark and Carrie Roberts as they do life in tandem, the blind leading the blonde. Or is that the blonde leading the blind? Clark and Carrie invite you into real conversations about life, marriage, adversity, and executing your life's vision without being able to see your vision. Humor, dog stories, and insightful discussions with friends. Did we mention there'll be humor? So hit subscribe, pour yourself a cup of deliciousness, and tune in to Coffee Coffee with with Clark Clark and Carrie. Hey everybody, it is so good to be here today with all of you listeners, wherever you are, whatever you're doing, and what's all on your schedule today. So today we have a real treat in store for you. We have our good friend, Mike Flood. We're actually sitting in the Spirit of Twelve conference room at the Seahawks training facility. Well, I think you've completely forgotten how we do this podcast. (laughs) Whoa, I think I think I'm the, sorry. It's like, hey, everybody, welcome to Coffee with Clark and Carrie. <laughs> so, so do you want to go back and restart? Well, you know, this is the fun part about this. We do this unfiltered, and we yeah, do we don't edit it, it, and it's a lot of fun. And so, the first thing we want to make sure is: does everybody have their cup of goodness? I wish that I could have my kindness cup with me, but it's really hard to travel in the car with that. You so could have brought your kindness cup, I, I could and have then brought you it. could have emptied your travel mug into it. It has all been fine because it never goes away anyway. I was going to say, here's the thing. I travel oh, with kindness. Kindness never goes away. That's, That's right. right. Kindness never kindness goes away. Never goes away. And I travel with it everywhere I go. So we are really excited. I think, I don't know who was more excited to be here this morning, Mike, if it was um, Aurelia or you yeah. for Aurelia. I told everybody that my favorite dog was coming in today. <laughs> So fine, I'm leaving now. So, so, I, so I have to tell you, it's so much fun. I love it um, for our listeners. It, it is there's nothing greater than having Mike Flood walk out of the Seahawks training stadium and and come over to the car, and the first thing he says is, "Did you bring the dog?" Carrie, Carrie has a niece that early on in our marriage that if we'd show up at their house and I didn't have the dog, we could go home. <laughs> so, so I get it. I've Mike. gotten past that stage. You, you've gotten pretty good. You, and you're actually remembering how to ask before you pet the dog too. I'm Although about 50% on that. You're about 50%. Yeah, you know what? Yeah. I, I don't know. I mean, in statistics, is that a good thing? But the dog comes to me right away and it would be rude not to pet her or let her lick my hand. <laughs> Well, I think that we should get started, and I want you to know that this is the reason why. It's like the way we started this whole thing. You can tell that it is constantly the blonde leading the blind. Or the blind leading the blonde. (laughs) Either way, we have a lot of fun, and we are so excited to have you here. And Clark, I'm going to let you introduce our incredible, because now we've got coffee with Clark and Carrie and tea with Mike. Thanks. (laughs) But no, folks, we're, like I said, we're sitting here today in the Spirit of Twelve conference room with our good friend Mike Flood who uh, spends a good part of his time here as he's the Vice President of Community Affairs with the Seahawks but more than that he is a husband, he's a father, he's a grandfather, Uh, he's very very involved in the community uh, in many many areas, many facets, many times, situations so welcome Mike. Thanks Clark, I'm anxious to get into this with you and hear where you want to go. 
well, we just want to, you know, sit down, have a conversation, kind of let people know who you are, what you do, and why you do all of this. So, uh, so yeah, so I mean, you are a native of the area, correct? Yeah, I grew up in North Seattle. My last year of high school, I was back east in the, the D.C. area. Then I came back out here to go to Washington State. Washington State, a cougar. Yeah. He's I approve. I'm, I'm not sure that I do because your your cougars always came over and beat up on my my vandals at the University of Idaho. Yeah, that's right. I forgot about that little rivalry. <laughs> it is one of the greatest things about the Palouse. Yeah. Yeah, but I mean that's that's interesting. So you you spent you spent years at Wazoo, and what were you studying? Other I, than girls? I majored in five different things, but <laughs> I finally got a teaching degree. But I really wanted to be a pilot and. Uh, I worked up in Port Angeles, so I had to work my way through college. So one year I was working up in Port Angeles and saw the Coast Guard flying out of okay. Air Station Port Angeles. So I pursued that dream and eventually uh, got there thanks to the kindness of someone who, in the Coast Guard who was uh, a senior aviator that I met one day, and most senior African American aviator in the Coast Guard at that time. And he, he said, what do you want to do in your career? Because I was doing civil engineering, but it was kind of a beginning role. And I said, I want to be a pilot. Uh, I, I see you've got wings, but uh, I, I haven't scored high enough on the test yet. And he said, I'll help you out. And so he helped me. I took the test again about a month later, passed it, and off to flight school and flew for 20 years for the Coast Guard. Wow. First of all, thank you for your service. Yeah, thanks. That's amazing. And I know that um, because of that, and I know we'll get into this a little bit later, you have very, very deep connection with um, those that are military, those, those that are in service, and those that have, have served in the past. I yeah. don't think you ever stop serving. I think that's one of the things that I see with our military is you really never stop serving. Yeah, there's a, certainly a, a comrade, a camaraderie that uh, goes back and forth between all the mili military members, in, including veterans, and including Gold Star families and everybody. So I get to be part of that. And the only reason I, I, I got here is because when I was at WSU, uh, a friend of mine named Paul Allen was there. We were in the same tiny fraternity. There's only 20 of us. He was a center on our intramural football team, and uh, we played together and enjoyed each other's, and I was the president of this little group. So uh, over the years, I maintained contact with him and even did a project for him over at WSU while I was still in the Coast Guard. And then uh, when I was getting out, it was my last flight, and I come back in and I've got this yellow DOT, at the time we were in DOT, note that says Paul Allen called. So I called back up and said, and I was gonna find out the next day whether I was gonna be the head basketball coach and a teacher at a high school near Astoria. And uh, he said, do you want to work on the campaign for a new stadium? The Seahawks are going to move to L.A. unless somebody buys them. And he was thinking of buying them. So I worked on that for a year, and then I, I, and I found out how much he cared about the community during that time. And so when that year was over, uh, they made me vice president of the community and a couple other departments, and I've gotten to do this ever since. So it's kind of like you, you fall into a role maybe that's totally uh, ingrained in, into your yeah. inner being, and that's the way it was for me. Well, one, wow. of, one, of, one of the things that, that I picked up on when you, when you said that uh, you were working on this career or working on getting into the Coast Guard is that an individual showed or noticed your potential, your drive, whatever, where, where you wanted to go, whatever you, you know, wanted to pursue. And he gave you that opportunity to get there and I think that's so valuable and important for our listeners to hear that every individual 
has potential and it needs to be unwrapped and that individual assisted you in unwrapping your potential to go fly yeah gosh it makes me think about that a little bit deeper even and and yeah i wouldn't have got to do that before for him i don't think yeah yeah i think that really goes to showing so much about who you are also i mean i think leading up to that it sounds like you were somebody who was going after what you wanted you were somebody that was wanting to build relationships with people excuse me and even more so i think from that point forward and and in the years that we've had the absolute blessing to know you you have you are that person you are constantly looking for and seeing the potential in those that are around you and it doesn't matter who they are it doesn't matter where they've come from it doesn't matter how much adversity or um or just how easy and i don't know if anybody's life is easy you you look for the potential in every single person that you meet yeah that's true and i i enjoy learning from everybody no matter uh what circumstance or where someone came from just to be able to uh, do things with or for somebody but yeah it's true that if he hadn't helped me that day i don't know if i would have gotten and and by becoming a pilot it unleashed my desire to compete be disciplined have a mission, that, those kinds of things. Also get to work with air crews and, and be a leader in the Coast Guard too as I eventually retired as a commander. But yeah, he we were on wow. interview boards for two days. He was the most senior guy, I was the junior guy. So he must have seen something, I guess. I never thought about it, that, that uh-huh. for him to stop me. I remember exactly where we were standing outside a brick building in New York on an island in the harbor. And he said, uh, he said, what, so tell me about yourself and what you want to do. So he must have picked up something in those two days where we questioned candidates who wanted to join the Coast Guard. But I'm sure happy that he did because that, that was really the, uh, one of the great things in, as, far, as far as individual accomplishments and getting to, I was a pretty good pilot. I was, I was terrible when I started because I'd never flown or anything. But, within, uh, and I, but I applied myself, went to the simulator every, every night late and every morning early and uh, wow. got pretty good and, and then was, was really good when I was in the service. And I thought I'd make good judgments on search and rescue missions and we, we all survived. Each one of them saved a lot of other people too. That wow. Is, oh, wow, wow. I mean, I think we could talk forever, forever just upon your Coast Guard career, but let's go back to, to WSU. So you were, you were head of a small uh, fraternity and Paul was part of that, and were you guys involved in in, uh, in other athletics other than just uh, intramural football, or was it just was it just that? And you you maintained this friendship over the years with Paul. Yeah, I was also the the social chair and the rush chairman for this little group, so I think he probably knew that I had a yearning to go find people and put them together. We we had a very diverse group there back in. 1970, 71, it was very diverse for only 20 of us. So we had people from every background and different races and, and we all got along together. And I think, and, and I asked him one time why he was uh, still bringing all these fraternity guys to events after he became a billionaire and would have maybe a, a Super Bowl trip or something like that or, or a, a cruise that he set up. And he would have some pretty famous people and, and uh, people who had accomplished a lot in, in media, in uh, entertainment, but he also have a bunch of us from college. And I asked him one time, and he said, well, because back in those years, he says, he went to Lakeside High School, and it was a fairly narrow set of people that were there, but in, in college, as he started to think about computers and 
communicating with people, he realized that uh, people came from so many diverse backgrounds and experiences, and it helped him form ideas that would relate to a broad set of people when he when he formed when he and Gates started Microsoft. That is wow. that is so interesting that you go back to the beginnings, basically. I mean, back to the early early seventies, and here here you have an individual, Paul Allen, who is already looking and seeing the importance of the heart of an individual, really truly seeing who that individual is and having this, as you stated, a diverse group of guys living in the same uh, environment, but looking at them also to see, see their potential, see what they can bring to the table and what they can use and what they can move forward. And I mean, you know, you, you, you look at Paul Allen's career, you look at some of the things that you've done, Mike, and I'm sure that some of the people that you've interacted with and touched, and a lot of that is because of really truly seeing who that individual is, seeing the individual in here, and allowing that to come out. Yeah, that's true, and he uh, he really wanted the, the team to be a factor on and off the field. So, uh, I'll tell you one story about back in college. He was appreciated. We were all pretty close brothers, but one night, or one morning, guys came to me and said, Flood, you gotta tell Paul Allen to quit playing the guitar at three in the morning. So the next <laughs> night when he came back from the computer lab, computer science lab at two in the morning and started playing again, I said, hey Paul, I was still up playing some some game with somebody and I said, hey, you, you gotta stop playing the guitar. Guys are trying to sleep in the sleeping dorm. And he said, well, I did just do all their computer science homework. And I said, yeah, that's a good point. So the next night when somebody complained, I said, uh, did he you do your computer science homework for you? They said, yeah. I said, well, then you can't complain. Can't complain. So, can't complain. <laughs> but, that's, but he did, and, and his father had served in the, in the military in World War II days. And so wow. Paul wanted us to be a factor for military people, too, which dovetailed nicely with my own interests. My dad was a Marine in World War II in Korea. And then my own service and getting to work with people from different services. So it was a natural then for community to have a big uh, military element in what we do. And it still does, led by Nino Gray, who, uh, who was hurt in uh, Afghanistan and now leads our military program. So I support him now, all the different mm. things we get to do. That, that, is, that is so amazing how, how all of these, these people uh, are interconnected or if you want to use the whole dot-to-dot -dot analogy, but I mean, you know, it's interesting when you stop and look at your life and cross-section all of the connections. I mean... Uh, if there was a dog involved in that, we would have called it connected by the leash. Well, <laughs> there was a cat. Was there, there was, did the uh, cat have well? a We had a fraternity cat. Fraternity cat. Fraternity cat. <laughs> had, it uh, was a cougar. Yeah. <laughs> The cat had kittens in someone's but sleeping you know, bag. Oh, my, good, oh my to, goodness. I had to pay for the dry cleaning of that. <laughs> I, I, I'm, I'm sitting here with my my mind kind of, kind of going crazy. But, I mean, interestingly enough, there's this whole WSU connection. You're there attending the fraternity in 71 with Paul Allen. I was there in... 72, 73 at the U of, U of I. In yeah. 73, in February of 73, so 50 years ago this month, they diagnosed my eye disease. 
uh, and I, you know, pretty much had to determine what I was going to do moving forward, or you know, li yeah. living or not living because of my sight loss. But I mean, it's it's interesting when you look at the the tapestry of everything is how one connection leads to another connection leads to another connection, and you know, now you came out, you come out of the Coast Guard, and Paul allows you to have this opportunity to start working in the community of also being able to connect lives from one to the next to the next to the next. Yeah, so and I'd love to hear more about point. that. Yeah. Well, I think it's interesting that we were there at the same time. I, I got out in 74. Paul left early in 73 against our advice to uh, go back east with a guy named Bill Gates and start formulating their own ideas. How could he not listen to you? Oh yeah. my goodness. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but, but yeah, we were we were going through, and, and it was, I didn't really know what I wanted to do back then, and, and it wasn't easy to uh, to stay on course, and, and it, certainly you had the greater challenge, but uh, for each of us, and I guess what we try and teach everybody else is to have faith and hope, right? Absolutely. Yeah. Have, have, have faith, have hope, be encouraged, be blessed, and to realize that, you know, all of life, life is a gift. And you need to unwrap it, you need to cherish it, and then you need to share it. Man, you know, it doesn't doesn't does, it doesn't doesn't it doesn't do any good if it just stays all bottled up inside of you. So you know, you go share it. I mean, uh, yeah, I've had I've had opportunity to share my life in, in many 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 ways. I mean, uh, you know, as well as you've had your opportunity to share your life in many many ways, and, and, and through the work that you're doing in the communities, for, you know, for the Seahawks. Yeah, and I've gotten to see you speak to different groups about how we see each other, and it's it's fun to, and it's educational for me to go to uh, Renton Rotary or whatever the group might be, and hear you, or to a school setting where you talk to kids, and hopefully, your work and and my work, we're able to inspire and uplift kids in a way that uh, that lasts. Carrie and I were talking about that earlier about how there's it's good to do uh, have active acts of kindness as part of your life, but if you can relate in a way that uh, is longer lasting than just that instant, then whatever that little extra is that you can impart to somebody the way you treat them or look at them when you're with them, and then continuing relationships. My wife and I have continuing relationships with a lot of people that, that I've met here, and then she took over the relationships. And it's like having more kids or, and more friends, yeah. and, uh, and it's a beautiful thing. And, and for me, I could watch TV, where I could make new friends and be part of their lives and hear how they're doing, I'll take the latter. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I think absolutely. I think that one of the one of the hardest things is, you know, knowing how deeply you care, and and knowing that there's times though that you have to let go of of a relationship. Yeah, you know? that's and, happened and to me too. Because that has happened, yeah. and so talk about that a little bit because I know that you've you've actually had you've had quite a few um, very impactful events happen in your life. And share with us a little bit, you know, where things went like when you once you got out of the Coast Guard, and um, and then what are some of those highs and some of those lows? Well, in my Seahawk years, a lot a lot of the people that I've met and have become friends with, or even like a, a parent to, have done well and are still part of our lives. In some cases, there's there's a case where I, I'm still hoping that this young man will uh, get away from drug problems and, and make a comeback in life. I don't know how that's going to go. And I, we've tried over the years. So th those are 
low points when somebody doesn't make it, and you, but you still have hope for them. Yes, mm-hmm. absolutely. So in my own situation, I was just talking about that with someone here who uh, went through a lot of tough times in, in his life, that when I was, I got out, got out of the Coast Guard briefly in, my, in the middle of my years because we wanted to adopt kids and uh, I wanted to start my own business. So I bought an airplane and became a crop duster and, uh, and I wrecked that plane early on and almost killed myself. Mm-hmm. I hit a treetop and it embedded itself in the, the top of that tree looked like a Christmas tree in the left wing and I was pretty low over the ground too. So when it rolled over 90 degrees to the left, I thought this could be it. And it wasn't really scary. It was like a moment of reality, you're, you're gonna go now. But somehow I straightened the plane out and landed in a field and it didn't break up too bad. They broke off the right strut and part of the left, right wing were, was damaged. But uh, a couple hours later when I got out of that field walking out of there and got picked up and went back to town with my buddy and my wife is the only time she was ever out there. They finally found me and, and he gave me his plane to use in the afternoon and I flew again even though uh, emotionally I was <clears throat> drained from adrenaline running through me and, and realizing that I screwed up and, and uh, had wrecked this plane. But uh, I flew his in the afternoon, finished the job, and never really thought too much about it. He gave me that plane to use. I just paid him back later. And uh, But then later, in the next year, I, I had other troubles and health problems. And I used to just stop by this church every day in the morning. I'd go out and spray people's lawns with a, a truck that I had <coughs> set up for that kind of stuff. And But I'd always stop at the church and just pray for wisdom and hope that uh, things could get better because I felt badly, I wasn't making any money, I was out of the Coast Guard, and then eventually uh, I got a little bit of a health improvement and got back in the Coast Guard and got to finish my career. But those were those were tough times, we didn't have any money, but uh, but we made it through, we had our kids, and uh, you know, things, things improved, but it, it teaches you that uh, faith and hope are integral to everything you're doing. Absolutely. 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 It wasn't God's time for you to go. He just wanted you to have yeah. a little bit of a wake-up call to say, hey, I, I know you appreciate, but I really want you to appreciate everything yeah. you have. The fact that you got right back out there that day, too, that, that says a lot about what, you know, kind of how, how you do life. Yeah. Right? You, you don't really let anything knock you off your horse too long. No, in fact, that line is the one that uh, this guy who was over there that day, uh, another uh, crop duster who I'd met earlier in the Coast Guard, said, well, when you get knocked off the horse, you want to get back right back up in the saddle, right? And I, I'm thinking, I guess so. Yeah, 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 you do. And so he, his words probably spurred me to, and, and the fact that he said, just go ahead and use my airplane. Right. And he'd wow. flown over to our little airport in Kansas at that point. I just got in his plane, never flown it before. And it was a little bit different, but I managed to do it safely and, and use it for the whole rest of the year. So I think one wow. of the things I heard you say, though, too, was that it's, it, it was like one of the only times that your wife was actually there. Yeah. So she saw you go down. Yeah. They just knew I didn't come out of that field. They didn't know where the heck I okay, was. Okay, so they didn't know that you'd gone down. They just know that you didn't come out. Or they did see you kind of going down, clip the tree, and then you just yeah. didn't come out. Yeah. So for her to, to, to see that and then, to, and then to have you go, I'm going back up. Yeah. What was that like? I think we were both young enough that we just thought that's the way it goes. Here we yep. go. Yep. Yeah. That's we we laugh often about the fact that it's like you know you know that Clark does a lot of adventurous things. He loves to water ski and snow yeah. ski, and tandem cycle and, and bike bike from Seattle to Portland. Bike from Seattle yeah. to Portland, you know, a few yeah. times, 
And it's always amazing to me because this is just our normal. And I don't look at, I've never looked at Clark as being anything less than or having any brokenness or, I mean, we're all broken, but it's, it's through that brokenness that the beauty happens. But I've never, I've never looked at his lack of vision and his lack of sight because he definitely has vision. I've never looked at his, the ability that he can't see physically as anything other than just, it's just a part of who he is. It doesn't define him. And I'm always amazed, and I think you see this, Mike, because you, you saw Clark immediately for being the incredible, passionate person that he is that inspires and motivates and loves to live life with humor and yeah, with intention. And there's a lot of times people are like, you know, well, well, you know, doesn't it scare you? Like when he's going off, I'm like, no, yeah. I mean, why would it? He's living his life. He's inspiring people to go out and live their life. And I don't even give it a second thought. You know, my only thought is like, well, whatever you're doing, make sure people are videoing. And if they video, if you crash, make sure they keep videoing. <laughs> because, and then I'll get people going, but no, I need to, no, no, you don't need to stop. You just need to keep videoing. Because when you get to where he is, if he's gone down, if he's in a tree well, if he's, you know, underwater, I mean, when you get to where he is, you'll figure out a way to get him out or he'll figure out a way to get him out. But if you stop videoing, you're going to miss all that great life and laughter and humor and experience and adversity that we can use to then encourage other people to go out and do what they need to do to live their life to their fullest. That's, that's a good lesson. And so, it. you know, it's yeah. like, so even with you, it's like, you know, that day, you didn't stop videoing. I mean, maybe it wasn't a, yeah. an actual video or recording, but you kept on going yeah. and you pushed through the adversity with the assistance and the, the coming, coming alongside that this gentleman did with you. Yeah. And offering again that beautiful gift of kindness of, you know, hey, use my plane. Yeah, and for my wife, as I think about that now, I didn't really think about it as much then, but I knew she was worried. But uh, in the Coast Guard, we, especially up in Alaska, I flew out of Kodiak for a few years, and we had some, we'd go out on some pretty awful weather nights to go out and find somebody. And uh, she told me one time later on that. Uh, one of the most calming sounds that she heard was a C-130 uh, landing and you could hear the, the props going into reverse as you came down in the runway because we lived really close to the runway so she would hear the plane come back late at night or early in the morning and, and realize that we were home safely and then she'd feel good. Wow. Yeah. So so on those helicopters that you're flying at, like out of Kodiak, how, how, how big a crew flew on that plane? I was flying, I did fly helicopters later, but I was flying C-130s up there, yeah, and it's a uh, four-inch and turboprop, and we had a crew of at least seven. And so when we got on that plane, I remember lots of times jumping into that plane right outside the hangar and at midnight and driving rain or snow and <clears throat> saying to the crew as I climbed up that ladder into the, into the airplane and looked at everybody, I said, listen, if you have ideas on how, how this mission could go better, you're going to hear what I'm thinking as we head out there to save somebody and maybe in a, a ship boat that's going down or something like that. And I said, you gotta tell me, because if you learn from studying other problem situations in airplanes that if you don't listen to your crew, you might miss the solution to a, to a situation. Mm -hmm. So the crew was, was good about telling me, and if they told me something I thought was equally as good as what I was gonna do, I'd do it their way just so they knew they had a voice. I love so, that. So, that's carried so, over into your oh life. Yeah, yeah. Oh yeah. yeah, and it's so many, so many lessons in that for for all of our listeners, you know, to not feel like that your way is the only way yeah. and not to yeah, be able to, sure. to have this, this group of people that you're supposed to be 
working with and if you're not listening and, and communicating effectively in a way that it's all going to be able to work together then uh, yeah you, I'm sure that it could have caused a whole lot of other problems as well as it does in our business life and our mm -hmm. personal life and in any other area of your life. So. I think that there is no lonelier place than the top of the hill of right because you do not want to plant your flag in the hill of being right and die on that hill. Yeah. You have way too many people that are surrounding you that are like, you know, something, there is a better way, there's a different way. You know, maybe your way is the right way, but let's talk about it. And I love the fact that you, you from a very young age, again, you were just, so I'm, I'm guessing that maybe a lot of this possibly came from the way you were raised, the way your dad and mom raised you. Yeah, I'm not sure. I think it's a combination of that and something that you're born with uh, some interest in other people. And then a lot of situations drive that too, certainly. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, what we're going to do is we're going we're gonna to go ahead and we're going to break here and we're going to come back another time and um, do a second part to this because we really, and I think that, I think that, Mike, I think that you are not going to be just a two-episode. I have a feeling that you're going to be a multi-episode person. Oh, you're, you're saying <laughs> we're going to have to come back and sit in this room again? We might have to. We might have to. But oh, um, I just, so if you, if you kind of based off of, we're going to come back and we're going to continue this story. But if you were able to let our listeners know one thing that you felt like, this is something that I want to leave you with right now, that I really want you to be able to take away and to think about and to like let it grow inside of you, what would that be? I think it would be that uh, there's great things <clears throat> inside of you and inside of everything that goes on on this earth. So don't get uh, too dissuaded by the things that you see in, in the media, but find a moment in the morning where uh, make the bed when you get up and then find some moments of, of calmness. For me, I, I do it every morning. Some, some minutes where I'm just sitting there and it's a meditation of sorts or prayer, whatever you want to call it. But then by doing that, you won't be as, as affected by the things that happen during the day, either to you or things you see in the news. And you'll realize that you've got something special inside you that you can bring to others if you, if you uh, can not be totally engulfed in the world of media, social media, other media, or things going on around you. Wow, I love yeah. that. I love that. And it comes back to uh, something that I learned and I've been doing since last May as far as being grateful. And not only just being grateful, but writing down at least three things in the morning that I'm grateful for. And do you I, do that every day? I try to. There are times. There are times that I. <clears throat> there are times that I miss, but then I come back and I pick it back up, and keep moving forward. But just being grateful for things that I, that are that are going on, things that you have, and and to think upon that because we all need to be grateful. That's a, that's a great attitude. I'm I'm gonna take a little bit of that with me too. Well, Mike, we just want to thank you for, for being on here with us today. And, and truly, I don't know if anybody, I wish you could see our faces right now because honestly, Mike has become such a good friend hmm. and you have inspired us in so many ways and you've opened up a lot of doors that, um, that, you know, that Clark didn't have to walk through head first. <laughs> so, and not that he wouldn't, he would definitely do that. He, he would. would. <laughs> but, um, but we are so appreciative yeah, of the friendship and of the relationship and of how you have impacted the community and how you've impacted us. Does that mean I get a break on not asking permission to pet the dog? <laughs> well, well we, we can talk about that off mic. <laughs> so this has been 
Well, actually, Han, what did you want to say? Last, last little parting thought from you? Uh, last little parting thought is that remember, folks, that life is a gift. Unwrap it, cherish it, and share it wherever you go, whatever you do, and whoever you are with. We can't wait till you join us next time. Make sure that you like, subscribe, and share this podcast. And this has been Coffee with Clark and Carrie and and Mike. Mike, thank you so much. Everybody have a great day in Aurelia. (laughs) Thank you for joining us today. If you have any questions or comments, please be sure to ask. Don't forget to like, share, or subscribe so that you do not miss one episode of Coffee with Clark and Carrie.